I went back to Twitter when the, uh, during the blackout, and I've just kind of oh. stayed there. I, I'm on Blue Sky now, guys. Did hey. you guys get on Blue Sky? I haven't, mm, I haven't done nope. almost anything on it, but I'm there. I got a code. Thanks, Max. <laughs> Max just sharing codes in, the, in that Telegram chat. Hello, and welcome to the Android Police Podcast. My name is Daniel Bader. It is June 16th. I am back from a whirlwind trip, which Welcome we'll talk home. about in a little bit. It's good to be home, but uh, bad to be home, if you know what I mean. You guys had Mahmood of XDA Developers on last week to talk all about the Apple launch. And Steven. And Steven. We also got Shank. Steven right. on. Yeah. Right, right, right. How did that go? It seemed like uh, there was a lot to talk about. <laughs> we spent a long time talking about Apple. For an we spent a podcast. long time bashing the Vision Pro, and I don't regret that. You know, mm-hmm. I thought about it more. I just want to say that, like, the biggest thing I would want about the Vision Pro is, like, the high-quality theater-esque screen in front of you. And then I was like, yeah, but, like, I can only use, like, streaming services on it. Like, there's no video in for it. So I'm, I'm back off. I'm not spending $3,500. James Cameron can't make me. Thank God he did not show up in that conference is all I'm going to say. Well, did they say what the storage capacity was going to be on this? Like the onboard storage was going to be for I'm, this thing? No, I'm sure it's high enough. But like even then, like I, I couldn't like play video games on it or whatever unless I streamed them, which is sounds miserable. So yeah. I'm back off. Uh, uh, no Vision Pro for me until they add a video input. That's that's my. New oh, thing. yeah, that's that's going to be. Look, <laughs> that, this end. is how I am saving myself money, Daniel. I know it's not right. happening. <laughs> like, All right. So I, I feel like I need to do a better, like uh, every podcast I listen to, the hosts do a really good job introducing yeah. co-hosts and I, yeah. I don't, I do a bad job. So I'm going to make a more concerted effort. Uh, that beautiful, ebullient, anti James Cameron voice you're hearing, that's, that's Will Saddleberg. How are so, you? Uh, I'm good. This is true. If my voice sounds a little hoarse today, it's because we did three and a half hours of D&D last night and I shot my voice. Ooh. I am so freaking jealous. <laughs> so, Wait, what'd you play? that jealous voice you hear, that's our Wagner. What'd you play? How are you? I'm good. Uh, I'm tired, but what'd you play? I'm playing a rogue. She wants to get right to the point. Tell me all about your trolls. Yeah, I'm playing a rogue in our current session. It's going well. Race, subclass, anything. Human. He's Quirks. he's a scumbag uh, uh, ex-mayor who got uh, run out of town for for embezzlement. I'm having a fun time with it, um, but it does mean that I have to. I'm using like a like southern-ish voice for it, and like very gruff, and it it is just destroying my throat. Aww. Are these sessions recorded in any Absolutely meaningful not. way? Are you kidding me? <laughs> who do I have to? Who, There's no what, evidence. What are, what are your friends' happening. names that I can not call and ask them to record the this? The problem is that like Daniel could feasibly like get to Buffalo in a couple hours and just investigate where this, these games are taking place. So The no, actual play space no, is too Don't threaten me with you a good time enough. there, Will. I'd rather listen to you rant about movies, but I'm very much jealous that you get to play D and D on a basis. I can absolutely basis. rant about movies for as long as as long as Daniel will let me. But but we'll see how much time we have at the end of the. I'm just gonna show. pull up your letterbox in preparation. <laughs> Make Don't sure I'm up I saw, to date on all of the movies you've watched. I saw Spider Verse. We can talk about that. I uh, got back from my trip. Um, I went to France. I went to Paris, and I went to Istanbul with Oppo. So the trip was to see the quarterfinal match at the French Open. And then we went to Istanbul to see the UEFA Championship final uh, between Man City and Inter Milan, which both of them were just like lifetime experiences with like a lot of touristy things and taking photos with the Find X6 Pro in the middle of that. So 
amazing, amazing time. Great, great people. Uh, hung out with some friends that I hadn't seen in a while. But it was so hot. Like the entire time, it was just brutally hot. And uh, I wore myself out. Like we're talking like 20 to 30,000 steps a day, just everywhere. Because you walk in those cities. Those are two really, really walkable cities. And traffic in Istanbul is just a nightmare. So getting anywhere is actually faster on foot, even if it's like miles away. But yeah, I'm glad to be back because it means that I can now play Diablo 4, which is the thing that I've been trying to do for the last three days. And every time I try, I get interrupted by something. So I'm like 10 minutes into the game, but I'm extremely, extremely excited about it. Dude, the opening cinematic, like any of the like, deep in cinematics for that game are so awesome and then it pulls you back out for the actual gameplay and i'm like i just have whiplash from going from like these movie grade graphics with insane voice acting and then we pull out and it looks like a game from like 1995 with the overhead layout it's interesting actually i was thinking about that yesterday when i was playing because i played diablo 3 i mean i've played all of them on day one basically but diablo 3 always felt like that really sharp whiplash between the cinematics which for the time were really good and then the isometric view for the game always felt low res low poly just like was not a great visual experience for me at the time whereas this i find to be much more epic and cinematic when you're playing the game itself i think the scale of things even though it is isometric it's a much bigger scale experience oh i I mean the isometric view looks great like you can definitely tell it's a 2023 game it's just all it's go it's going from a level of good and then just going to absolutely like sublime scenes like uh at the beginning when they're summoning lilith like i thought i was watching a goddamn movie that was amazing like you you zoom in on the guy's face and you're just like this this is a remember remember those animatrix and and like all those movies where It just it felt like you were playing a video game or watching a video game as well as a movie at the same time. Yeah. Like it, it just there's there's this level of realism in these cinematics now that they somehow toe the line and, and like they don't have those this dead polar express eyes anymore. So that Uncanny Valley isn't there. It's yeah. just it's great. And I'm I'm a big fan. I could watch I mean this the, the, the story's not like amazing, but it's it's good. It does the job. Yeah. Yeah. So, are, are what what class are you? Oh, I don't play. I watch. Mm. Oh, you're. you're I do cutscene movies, but I mostly watch Gamers Little Playground, which means I end up watching a ridiculous amount of like actual gameplay too, because he includes mm. every story element and so much that happens when you're in the isometric view. But the story itself was okay. Um, it just starts off so strong, and then you get into a little bit of a doldrums until you get all of your allies and start like really gearing up and completing some of the later missions but i mean i think it's a fine game overall i don't have the gear or the patience to play that when i live next to a theme park and have already too many time-consuming media hobbies but i'm happy diablo is exploring disney world (laughs) that's the real that is hell that's actually exactly hey it is when the heat index is 105 Sounds. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Activision Blizzard creates once the FTC denies their acquisition to Microsoft, they will just (laughs) go off and create a theme park in order to raise more revenue. So I wouldn't be surprised if in ten years you actually have Diablo World somewhere in Nevada or something. I'm kind of surprised they haven't 
partnered with like Universal uh, Hollywood Horror Nights or something because like if Last of Us and all of these horror movies can get scare zones, a Diablo scare zone would be freaking amazing. Mm. Yeah, I-, I could see that. All right, let's jump into actual show notes stuff. So <laughs> last week, you two talked about the Reddit blackout. Yeah. It's still going. It's, it's been one week now. Uh, Steve Huffman is out enemy number one across the internet. I mean, he's eclipsed Elon somehow, even though Elon is still doing stupid things, like not paying his bills. Listen, more than one tech CEO can be just an absolute <laughs> bastard at the same time. So the blackout led to Reddit crashing briefly earlier in the week. There are still subreddits that are promising to stay dark indefinitely until this issue is resolved. The company is not backing down on its changes to its absurdly expensive API access. Third-party Reddit apps like Apollo and many others are basically saying they can't afford to stay online. Where are we at this week? Uh, what's new in the conversation from Reddit side? Like not much. Steve Huffman put out a memo to employees this week that was like, "We just see this as a blip. We don't really care." It's which, only two days. Who cares? Which is so stupid because, like, of course it was going to leak, and then of course it was going to spur. I think far less subreddits would be still locked right now if not for that memo. I think people saw that and were like, "Well." screw you man we're gonna like keep going then not everyone like on monday night when i checked there were two subreddits i followed that were able to populate my feed with five posts and then it ended and they were both for smaller podcasts so like i kind of get why they didn't go you know dark now my feed is like mostly back to normal if i check it but yeah so i mean there was that and then last night kind of late into the evening the verge published an interview with huffman which i would say is (laughs) This dude is bad at PR, like between the AMA and this, like, I don't understand why they're letting him get in front of people. Like, he's not a particularly likable person is the vibe I'm getting from this. He kind of seems like a jackass, clearly very mad about it, but also is like unwilling to admit that the truth is just that, like, they don't want third party. Like, Which is just kind of insane considering third party apps and third party tools are what made Reddit a global respected platform like the only reason reddit became the new google like search homepage is because reddit had enough moderation tools and enough respect that people could actually trust it as a source for all the obscure like oh i need to troubleshoot this exact problem that maybe like five other people have had oh hey there's an actual answer to my question so there's just like the logic doesn't track on reddit side which is i think just because like they won't admit what they really want so their argument is like well less than 10 percent of reddit users on third-party apps but also they cost us so much money that seems like a problem shouldn't you work with third-party apps to like i don't know get ads in them and they're like no instead we'd rather charge like an insane amount of money They could end this today just by offering a reasonable API pricing the way other platforms do. This is my point, though. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. It's just you are. This is such a blatant cash grab. It's not. They just don't want third party apps anymore, but they won't admit it for whatever reason. They can't just be like Twitter, at least to its credit. When it changed its API was basically like, yeah, we kind of don't want third party apps anymore. So we're killing them. And like Reddit is like. 
no, no, we're willing to work with unsaid developers. It's all good. We just don't want to work with those developers. And also, we hate everyone who uses a third-party app. And it's like, none of this is tracking. I genuinely think would like almost go over better if they were just like, yeah, we, you know, we'll be honest with you. We're launching our in IPO. Like, we don't want third-party, like, we need more ad money from these, like, super users who rely on third-party tools. Like, okay. But then why are you like, con- like, none of the logic makes sense. And it's very obvious. And so I think it's just like frustrating from a user perspective to watch this happen. And I don't know. I don't know. Daniel, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the company is, is doing the typical move of preparing to IPO and getting investors feeling more confident about the financial reliability of the platform long-term. Reddit identifies that its biggest asset is all of this user-generated data that until now has been, quote, free to scrape. And that if it continues to allow third-party developers all of these low-cost or free API calls, the scraping can likely be done more easily by bypassing the primary APIs or giving them a clearer route to scraping some of that data. Although in the big picture, like you're not going to be able to do that by scraping individual subreddits. You you need a you need a firehose the way that Twitter used to be able to offer firehose access to developers that wanted it. I think what Reddit is doing poorly is what Twitter also did poorly which is what every social network did poorly, I mean, Facebook was the original company that did it poorly, is that it is not identifying the importance of its core audience, right? The people that use Apollo or Reddit is fun or any number of third-party apps are the ones that likely will never make Reddit any money, but that's probably okay because the number of people that will make Reddit money and not care that they're using Reddit because to them it's basically just a search engine are the ones that are seeing ads. And the ones that are contributing to the platform, the ones that are posting and adding to the value of that platform are the ones right, doing it exactly. through third-party exactly ads. what I was going to say. Yep. So like, yes, they're not making ad money, but they're making the content that gets served to the people who are making it, like who are, who are seeing ads. Exactly. Yeah. And to, it's been a virtuous cycle for 20 years on Reddit that somehow this idiot CEO just does not understand would cause, like, this is the typical margin conversation, right? You have to position your company to eke out the margins that early investors want in order to ramp up that valuation. But they're doing this in such a blunt way that I just don't see Reddit recovering from this long-term in a way that like Twitter, even though it's up and people are still using it, it has not and will never really recover from what happened when Elon took over. It's like genuinely miserable at, at Twitter. Like like I, anytime I open the app three minutes in, I'm like, the algorithm is now specifically tuned to just serve me outrage bait. Like I'm getting off the app. Like I can tell that's what they want or like, God, like there's so much like gore on Twitter now. Mm-hmm. It's bad. The amount of violent yeah. videos I've seen. And it's like, you don't know what it is because like it just autoplays. You don't know what it is until five seconds in. And you're like, oh, this is bad. This should not be here. And it didn't used to be. 
I'm not saying that that's what Reddit's going to turn into, but like if anything you have- anything that limits moderation encourages violent posts, violent media. It encourages just the absolute worst in people because anything that hurts moderation means that anything that violates policy, it can stay up longer and be more blatant, flagrant, and incendiary. All of Reddit's content, like everything about Reddit is user-driven. So like from moderation, which is all volunteer, to the content that's on it. So like to have such little, I mean, like, because like people have pitched of like, including the developer of Apollo have pitched, like, I could probably keep going if we met in the middle on these things and they don't want to, which is a, how I know that they don't want third party apps to continue. But B it's like, you can't show that level. Like when a hundred percent of your website is user content, like you cannot be that user hostile to your main base. Like it's not going to go over well. And the other thing here that I feel like Reddit has like kind of managed to get under the radar when it comes to their API changes is that like they're also very concerned about AI companies scraping Reddit data to train their models. Sure, I get it. But like it's weird to like kind of kill third party apps in the process while trying to like avoid AI companies, you know, using their data too. like in this Verge interview from last night as we record the interviewer who I believe is let me make sure it's uh, Jay Peters says have you talked to the big AI companies about the changes? And all Steve Huffman will say is we're in talks with them. He says it twice. Who knows what's going on there? But like, clearly that's playing a part in this too. Mm -hmm. But like all of the heat is on third-party apps. Yeah, I think that it's it's absolutely a distraction. Yeah, It's also true that third-party apps, you know, Huffman says that Reddit was never really designed to cater to third-party apps. And that bullshit. Which is freaking bullshit their app was absolute crap for so long no, the only no, well, reason reddit app, lasted mobile app was long, a third-party app they bought it yeah. <laughs> like exactly. that's it's just they refused just to make an app that was why the api went free in the first place right. i mean but they're like reddit has spent a decade retconning its earliest terrible days right and it still is pretty terrible in some places but at least over the last few years and to his credit like huffman has been pretty vocal about shutting down dangerous subreddits or making it very clear that Reddit is willing to spend money to moderate and shut down places that it considers to be unsafe or incendiary. And it's done that, I think, better than a lot of other social networks. I mean, it did it better than sure. Facebook. Low bar, right? But yeah. yeah. Low bar, absolutely. But it still shut down subreddits that were, I mean, what? It pushed those subreddits to... 4chan or, or 8chan or like whatever the the weird thing that the donald became where it's like it's just right. like a reddit clone yeah exactly yeah. but it, again like at least it was something that the company took a stand on but at the same time this is a company that has pushed the idea of independence in its communities since day one right so the moderators are volunteers they are people that are participating in those communities and building independent culture, sort of like the decentralized idea of a mastodon. But it's done this successfully for 20 years. And obviously that's going to create independent cultures and competing cultures in many places. And I think one thing that's gone under the radar a little bit here is that Reddit is saying, okay, if you don't want to bring back your subreddits, these popular, even like R all, which is like my favorite subreddit, because it's basically just pictures of cute dogs and cats. <laughs> if that stays dark long enough, they're just going to kick out the mods and 
quote, install new ones. Yep. Well, like, they've already done that with a couple, I thought. Yeah, and, and they they won't they won't stop. And and that to me is saying they're not really honoring what Reddit has been for two decades, and they're trying to change it to make it more suitable to building revenue on it, right? And what you think about Reddit as a business is potentially separate from what you think about Reddit as a platform. But we've spent how many years complaining about how terrible Instagram is and how terrible Twitter is. But at the same time, Twitter under its old owners was not making much money and they didn't change it very much. So I feel like Steve Huffman is looking at this inevitable IPO, this inevitable like scrutiny that its board is going to put on them, on the executive team to make money and saying, we don't really have a choice. There's no examples where a social network stayed core to its early mission and was also a successful business. Right. But like, to my point, like, then say that, like, I don't understand the like double speak here. Yeah. And like, if you want people to either see more ads or pay to get rid of them, pimp Reddit premium a little bit more. Reddit premium is 60 bucks a year and gets rid of all of the ads. I don't care about anything else Reddit premium does. It just gets rid of the ads and lets me have a decent app experience. And again, they could literally force third-party apps to serve their ads. Like, there are yeah. like, so many solutions, and they're just like, nah, like, we just don't care anymore. And so it's just frustrating, because, like, there are ways where they could basically, maybe not please everybody, but, like, please as many people as possible. And instead, they're just like, no, we're mostly focused on pleasing the board right now. And it's, okay, like, sure, but then... I think I said this last week too, but like there's this thing of like of of from this attitude from current like social networks that like will be here forever. And it's like, all right, like I remember Dig. That's a future where we talk about Reddit in the same way we talk about Dig. Like I'm not saying that like Lemmy or whatever is going to take over tomorrow, but like, you know, I, I got on Blue Sky this week. I can see a future there once it's open for people wanting to leave Twitter. These companies don't last forever. They don't need to. Like, I don't know. Bring back Peach. There you go. <laughs> oh my God, That's I what we all I've want. I totally forgot about Peach. We want Peach. I do, do not we? know what we Peach want, was. We want Friendster. We want Peach. We want... Peaches, 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 Peaches. I mean, I, I'd, I'll make Honest a MySpace God, page. Let's I just, do it. I just beg that Google could come in because they're the only ones oh that God, could be... Ara. No, Ara... Stop. Ara... No. <laughs> We're not, we're not even, I'm not even letting you finish this. Series. Yeah, no, I figured. But still. There is nothing about, like, Google literally shut down two services this week. Yeah. Like, as we're talking, they're probably shutting down, like, launching and shutting down another social yeah, network. Gmail's gone. Gmail, it's just out. They just sold it they're to like, Yahoo. You we know, don't, we don't want it anymore. I don't know. So like, long as they brought be back Inbox here. before they did. <laughs> The Pixel Fold, it was released and canceled already. <laughs> hey, we're going to get there. It might be. The review, I'm looking the at review these. was scrubbed from the internet. <laughs> Google doesn't want it to even know you. it existed. Like, let's be clear here. Um, all right, let, oh, let's, let's move on a little bit. Let's sure. talk about Google. So Google's just enmeshed in yet another controversy in the EU. This time, it's advertising again. This is the EU re-upping its criticism, its position that Google favors its own online display advertising tech over its competitors, that it dominates both the sell side and buy side of the contract, and that it forces everything through its own pipeline to the detriment of both sides. 
They are threatening to break up Google's advertising business to separate the sell side and buy side if it comes to it, if Google does not adhere to the recommendations. Uh, and to Google's point, Google's saying its advertising business is massive, m- way larger than just the exchange portion of it, and that the European Commission is basically focused on a very narrow part of its business and that there is real competition outside of the exchange portion of its ad business, which is a very, very clear message that it acknowledges that it's monopolizing the exchange part of the business, but that it's like, well, but we're so dominant I know. in other areas, but not as dominant as we are on the exchange side. So just like, let us do this. It's such a funny tightrope walk of yeah. like, of like, yeah, no, no, we, we are massive, but like, we're also even bigger than you could imagine. <laughs> right, like, exactly. Is that your, but there are other statement? big players. So let, like, why are you not focused on them? Yeah. It, it's, it's truly amazing. Yeah, so no no word exactly on on what's what's going to happen. This has been going on for years. Like it it's this is just the next step in it. Uh, uh the investigation was opened 2 years ago. So like it's, you know, unsurprisingly Google has been like we don't see a problem from the start. So like this this is kind of just the next step in it, but yeah, I mean like who knows where this could go? Like the EU certainly has kind of always been on an antitrust uh vendor. So, yeah. I think it's just important before we move on to talk about the scale of this advertising business. So Google, obviously one of the biggest companies in the world, it's an ad company, right? It it makes a lot of things, but it makes the most of its money from ads. 79% of its revenue comes from ads. And that accounted in 2022, according to Reuters, to 225 billion US dollars. So this is a significant amount of Google's business that the European Commission is threatening to disrupt. Uh, It's not clear how much of it would be disrupted by forcing Google to break apart, but it would not be insignificant. So just thinking about that scale when you talk about this accusation. All right, let's also talk a little bit about, so Google is holding off launching BARD in the EU due to privacy concerns. The EU is obviously, as it always is, thinking about regulation around new technology. Google is just not launching BARD preemptively in the EU as a result of that. It hasn't launched it in Canada yet, which I find absolutely bizarre because like, I haven't heard of any similar scrutiny of AI here, but maybe it's just that they can't put use in everything. So they just don't want to, <laughs> they don't want to adapt it to Canadian English, eh? Yeah, Bard hasn't figured out Celsius yet, so it can't launch anywhere else. Oh, that's that must be what yeah. it is, yeah. So yeah, I mean, this is not surprising. Google's taking things very, very slow when it comes to launching its generative AI tools, and the EU is likely the last place on earth it'll launch. So if you're holding out hope that BARD will launch in the EU, all three of you, uh, <laughs> it's going to take a little bit longer. Three of the of the 10 BARD users. Uh, yeah. All right. Google released, finally, its Pixel, uh, its June feature drop. We knew about a bunch of this stuff already. It was talked about at Google I.O., We're talking about the cinematic wallpapers and emoji wallpapers. Those are now available on your Pixel. But there are a couple of other little additions here that I think are worth talking about. So walk us through that. Yeah, I mean, let's let's start with the wallpapers. I still think uh, the cinematic wallpapers look terrible. I don't know about you guys. Ara says yes. Uh, No argument from me. Okay, cool. Great. We're all on the same page. The emoji wallpapers are fun. I don't know if I'll ever use them, but like it's cool that they exist and are, are, you know, you can randomize 
there's plenty of stuff there. Um, there's some new camera features coming. Unsurprisingly, Google is still very focused on, on Tensor phones. So Pixel 6 and newer get a, a palm timer update. So that's, you know, you can take a selfie. This is, we've seen stuff like this before. It's not particularly new. The Pixel 7 Pro is getting a, a macro focus a video mode, which it already had like a macro mode with the ultra wide lens. So like that's not super surprising. I guess it's just, you know, you can record with it. We should talk about the recorder and then I should fix this typo in Manuel's post. But we should talk about the recorder app um, because, because Google also like published like a blog post alongside it, I believe. Or sorry, it was a podcast a made by Google podcast that they were surprised how people were using or have been using the recorder app. Like, I think we've certainly talked before about how every every journalist, every reporter in our industry like loves is like a, like carries a pixel with them, even if they're not using it so that they can use the recorder app. I literally did this. And when I was at Snapdragon Summit last year, the recorder app is fantastic that people are like mostly using it for like shorter sessions uh, apparently the average is like three minutes people have used it for recording rap lyrics for making production ready samples if you're an actor i don't know i think it's cool that like people have like really adapted to you know not just people doing interviews but have have like found a way to like make the recorder really work for them but it, it is now you can now export transcripts into docs and create videos from uh or videos with automatic transcriptions uh rather complete with speaker labels. I don't know. I think it's fascinating how focused they are on adding stuff to the recorder app. Like, I think that it shows that people have like really adapted to like have put this into their like, maybe not daily lifestyle, but certainly like, you know, weekly. Like, I think a lot of people use it. And I think that's that's really interesting. I mean, I have started using voice memos in WhatsApp and Telegram way more than I ever did. Right. And, you know, we're talking about Google launched the call transcription feature on Pixel years ago. Apple is adding it to the iPhone and iOS 17. It appears that almost everybody is acknowledging that while we don't really want to talk to assistants, we definitely want to record messages and send them to people or do something with our voice that's not in real time, right? There's these blocks of voice that people want to keep in some form, whether it's to send elsewhere or just to jot down. I mean, how many times have you seen like an interview with an actor or a musician? And like, I recorded a voice memo to try to remember lyrics that popped into my head at three in the morning, right? And that turned into a hit song. And that was done on the iPhone. Well, Google's taking this to the next level, giving you transcription, letting you export it, turning it into video, right? That's social friendly. It's so smart, and it's so rare that we can say that about a Google app that's exclusive to a Pixel, but it's so smart what they're doing. They're just leaning into what people are already using and making it better. And like quickly, too. It's not like every 18 months like a new feature comes. I feel like every feature drop has like something new to recorder, which is great. Mm -hmm. Basically, every three months when you open it, there's like five new tools for you to use, and it's like, oh, like this is like a real creation app. I don't know. Yeah. It's cool. It also is one of those things like, say iMessage on iPhone that keeps people using the Pixel because this does not exist on anything else. Right. It's not in any meaningful way. That's the bulk of it. I know the new home panel for, for smart home controls is now like official. So you can control your stuff from a lock screen shortcut, like with a better design. There's some safety stuff. Uh, car crash detection can now share your location and your call status. If you're on the phone with 911, 
I don't know, a lot of small stuff. Again, a lot of this we knew was coming, but it's a fun kind of update before we get to... I mean, that's the thing is that like we're what, like two months out from Android 14. But like if, if you have a pixel, like these are undoubtedly the more exciting updates, to be honest, like the wallpaper stuff was like half of the Android section at I.O. And it's already here. You don't have to wait for Android 14. So I don't know. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's worth mentioning the enhanced pin privacy sure. yeah. feature. Like we talked about this earlier in the year when the Wall Street Journal exposed a way that thieves were getting into iPhones, predominantly iPhones, but obviously Android phones have the same security problem. This enhanced pin feature stops the animation. So it's less clear which buttons you're pressing when you're entering the numbers on your lock screen. Small things like that. That's good. All right, moving on. Uh, The Pixel Fold might be slightly delayed, or at least they're having inventory problems. This is anecdotal. I would not say. Google has come out and said anything, but a lot of people that pre-ordered it have been getting notices that their shipments have been pushed back a few weeks from early July to late July, depending on when they ordered it. Uh, Given the fact that this phone is only being released in four markets, that to me says everything you need to know about this device. It's not that Google wanted to only release it in four markets. It's that they're probably much slower to produce. They're more expensive. They probably have more quality control issues than a regular Pixel. Oh, God. <laughs> I was going to say, Almost. since when has a, pro- a quality control issue oh, ever no. stopped Google? Almost <laughs> certainly have more pro- quality control problems. So It's okay. I've never that. read a horror story about Google support on r slash Google Pixel. So oh, we'll good. be fine. Okay. That's, that's, uh, that, that's nice to hear. Four months to get my f-ing Pixel book back. <laughs> uh I would love to know if anybody's listening and has pre-ordered a Pixel, have you received, or Pixel Fold, have you received a delayed email? Is yours um, delayed at all? Let us know, podcast at androidpolice.com. Uh, also want to mention, this is not the only foldable being released in June. Motorola is set to ship the Razer Plus at the end of June, June 23rd, I believe. Will, you have one? Yeah, you are- I- in the process so of reviewing jelly. it, I am. Yes, I. I You're not really allowed to say much as I we're can't recording. Say much. But, uh, you, you can go can read you my say hands what on. Color you have. Yeah, yeah, because I, I, I was allowed to show an unboxing of it, and that would have shown the color. So that uh, checks out. Yeah, I have the blue one. It looked oh. pretty in the photos I saw and the hands on, and I'm looking forward to seeing more kick-ass photography of it for the review. Yeah, I I, I... I mean, the Viva Magenta looks cool, but the blue just is such a nice shade. That's where I was at. I think the Magenta is pretty eye-catching, but I didn't love the vegan leather, and I think that, like, a slightly more subdued color is actually probably better for, for you know, daily use for me. But I think both look good. Yeah, I'll have lots to say. Yeah, June 23rd is, is next Friday. My review should be live by then, I would say. So I'll have plenty to say next week. But yeah, look forward to that. For eighteen hundred bucks, does it come with the case in the box? The fold. Which the oh, sorry, fold? Uh, that for a thousand dollars, does the razor come with a case in the box? The only thing in the razor box is the razor. That's unfortunate. There's no charger or anything. There are no cases for this phone, like at all. It's very disconcerting. I mean, this is a larger discussion we should maybe have someday, which is that like the accessory market is like even more dead than it was a few years ago, where it's like if you are not buying like 
I mean, there are some pixel cases, but like the biggest companies like really only focus on like iPhone and then like Samsung, but like just Samsung's flagships and like that's it. And then you have to go to like smaller brands for stuff for like the OnePlus lineup and like Motorola phones. I don't know. It's I, I get it. Like, I, it, it, you know, but it, it kind of this sucks. is definitely a debate I would like to have on another day because I can go for 20 minutes just on what you said. But yeah, I'm just saying that like the most like well-known like companies, like a lot of them just focus on like iPhone and Samsung now. Like there are obviously options for all phones, but like your your options dwindle as the as the company gets more niche. Yeah, but they don't focus strictly on the flagships. I mean, like for Samsung, the A-series sells mm. more and is more popular worldwide. So like A54, A53, A23, like even for lower in Samsung phones, you still get a pretty decent selection unless yeah, it's like the I, I agree. $150 I, it, phone. It goes down. Like, I'm just saying it's like a slope. You can see it as you shop. It's for, a very precipitous slope. Yes. Yeah. That's and what, yeah. a lot more case companies have been doing pixel cases the last They've been getting, year, year Pixel cases have been getting better. That's because Google has been doing such a bad job with its own <laughs> <Yeah>. pixel cases. <laughs> But there's just a gulf there. I miss the fabric, guys. I really do. Yeah, me too. I'm wearing a fabric case right now for my phone. You're wearing it like you fashioned it into a vest. (laughs) No, but I am. But I am feeling it right now. You killed it and skinned it, and now you're uh, you're wearing it as a sweater. I wouldn't, because it has all these pretty uh, 3D printed designs across the back of the fabric to help add with the grip. But this is the um, oh god, this is the Zag London. I want to say. But this thing is a fabric case and it just it sparks so much joy, even though it's MagSafe. So I have to use like an actual pop socket on here instead of just using all the clip on stuff. I discovered that my son uh, is obsessed with pop sockets. Not that it's surprising, given that he's one and just like anything that like <laughs> anything that will go up and down. And Did you see they ha- uh, have you seen the toy that they make? That's the rainbow pop socket thingies that just collapse together and pull out and collapse and pull out. No, but I'm sure he would die in, of joy if he saw that. When I was at the Motorola event a couple of weeks ago, uh, Ben at, at 9to5Google has this like incredible like wooden case for his Pixel. Like it looks really nice. Like it, I think it's like uniquely carved or whatever. And then I was like, I was like, wow, this is really great. How much? How much is is it like a hundred something dollars? Like close to two hundred dollars or something? Nope. I was like, never mind. I mean, <laughs> it's so much money. Cases are only like. 60 or 70 dollars because i have one of those for the s23 it, it was a nice I, i've been trying to find it while we've been talking I'll, I'll have to i'll have to They're ask them to send me a link but it was lovely it was a very pretty case but uh, i cannot i cannot justify uh considering as, as the phone's editor i have not spent more than like three weeks on a phone on like a single phone i think all year at this point like i've been jumping so much so i certainly Oh, wait, wait, wait. It is it is carved. Yeah, I found the t- I found his tweet on it. It is this lovely. Let me share the tweet. With you I know guys. carved. I get ads for them all the time. Uh, I got in their MagSafe charger in a case for the Galaxy S23. Yeah, it's, it's that it's this lovely blue blue shade. Um, It's very pretty. You go to carved.com and there's just a really manly looking man holding a beautiful original carved wooden iPhone case. And yeah, but is... again, this this I was gonna say this is a case from Carb. This is not like a hundred. Why don't they show you the prices? Be. Oh, you have to go all the way in. Uh, nine to five's article says one hundred eighty nine a piece. Well, you can get an iPhone one for around sixty nine. But maybe these that's are not their that live edge that cases. One. Yes, so they are oh, one hundred eighty nine dollars. They're, the so the They're so pretty. They're so pretty. I have pretty. the one that's just wood on the back. Yeah, no, these are like. 
Oh, this These is the like live impressively edge. made, but also like yeah, yep, yep. So yep. it goes, yes. it goes all the way around. They're really I pretty. I like that they put in MagSafe even for the Android cases. I need more quality cases to do. My that. favorite yeah. part is the description here. Our live edge cases are simply amazing. We start with a unique piece of burl wood and transform it into a unique piece of art, perfectly shaped to fit and protect your phone. Every case is one of a kind and made at our shop in Elkhart, Indiana. Shout out Elkhart, Indiana. Shout out. And the one man that's making all of these cases. Hey, now, Elkhart ain't that small. Mm. Oh, these are great. These look really nice. Do you know how much it is in Canadian dollars? They're so cool. They're $254. uh, uh, Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, they got to get it from Indiana. So, like, you know. Okay, let's move on. Last two quick hit things. Uh, Will, you reviewed Mm -hmm. the Sony Xperia 1 Mark V. Yeah. Give us the TLDR. It's another Sony phone. I don't understand their like unwillingness to change anything about their phones for like six years now, which like some people might like, but I, I just, it's the same design as ever, except now the glass on the back is textured. Uh, Some people like it. Like I I had it on the Motorola trip and some people were like, oh, I really like that. And then at one point, obviously not in the Motorola trip, I asked my partner to grab the phone because I was, I think I was going to go do camera samples of it. And I already had my shoes on. So I was like, oh, can you go grab that from my office? I forgot it. And she like touched it and she was like, I hate this. <laughs> like, I don't like how this feels. So, you know, love or hate it. The camera, it's another Sony camera where it's like, oh, if you shoot on alpha cameras, you'll probably feel at home. But for everyone else, like even like the auto mode uses icons that you won't really know what they do until you tap them and like try to play around with them. It doesn't really explain itself very well. The auto mode is better than it's been in recent years. Like you can get decent shots out of it now instead of having to like shoot manual every time. But I still don't think it's like quite what most people want from their phone. And yeah, I don't know, man, $1,400. Like it doesn't feel like a $1,400 phone to me. It's got that 4K screen, which is complete overkill. Like you cannot see the difference between that and like a QHD plus display like they need to drop that I don't understand why they stick with it the fingerprint sensor remains like virtually unusable the only way I was able to like actually start using it was when I registered my thumb three different times like I saved it as three different fingerprints and then it started working sometimes it's super tall still and I I don't find it particularly comfortable but like it's got a headphone jack and a micro sd card slot so if those are must-haves like this is you know an option but yeah it's the same as ever for better or worse i i just respect the hustle (laughs) to be honest at this point i can't even criticize it you know i can and saying the same thing about sony phones for years but we've been saying the same thing about samsung phones for years sure they don't really want to change them either i would think though that given the paucity of sony phones out in the wild and just how few of them the company actually sells maybe they are they should try to change it up a little bit but well i mean that's my you know true believers already because i know look i know sony has fans out there like like for the if you buy a sony phone you were like a diehard sony fan i get it i just think that like if they want like they do seem to want more people to buy these Otherwise, they wouldn't be starting to lean into like computational photography more than they were, you know, even a year ago. I do think that they should make some changes if they really want people to consider the phone. They don't have to like radically change everything about the device, but maybe like, you know, meeting people in the middle on the phone. But and 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 
they need to get the price lower. Like if this phone is $800 instead of $1,400, like it's a, it's a better recommendation. But like at the end of the day, like if what you really care about is like shooting manual $1,400, go buy a pixel seven a, and then like a used DSLR like online. And like, you will have a better time. Like you have a better smartphone, frankly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. That's it. Last thing on the list, Google sold Google domains. Shit, they did it. See, while we were recording, <laughs> they, they killed the domain. Amazing. They killed domains. <laughs> we did it. We did it. We got one more in there. So Google domains, it's, it was Google's domain hosting service. Uh, you could buy domains. You could maintain DNS and forwarding and emails and all that good stuff that Squarespace and GoDaddy and, and all these competitors do. I guess it wasn't in their core remit, right? This is a year of Google just shutting down services that don't benefit the core business model. And I suppose from that perspective, it makes sense that Google Domain is better in the hands of a company like Squarespace. It's still bananas that they just sold yeah. it. Yeah. But that's what happened. At least they didn't shut it down, right? Would have been pretty hilarious if like thousands of websites went 10 dark million because domains, Google apparently ten million <laughs> Google just didn't snapped. want to deal with it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, ten million! Wow, that's a lot. Ten million, yeah. So like they had to because like imagine like I don't know. It would be so funny if just like I don't know. Like we're done. Sorry, you guys trusted a Google service. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, yeah. So I'm not surprised, but I I feel bad for people who don't like Squarespace because. From my understanding, Google Domains was actually a pretty good product, and people liked it. Whereas Squarespace, in my opinion, is just a, a podcast sponsor. Squarespace, we love you. If you would like to sponsor <laughs> this podcast, please send me an email, daniel at androidpolice.com. Yeah, we'll do it. All right, that's the show. Wait, 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 wait. What? I wanted to give uh, Will a quick chance to say something. What did you think about those latest uh, Sony XM5 earbud rumors and the oh shininess of those buds? I'm just like, I've been uh, talking. You guys. You guys know, I don't even know if this was on mic or if this was before we hit record, but like I've been talking about buying new earbuds for like six months now to both of you. And then I was like, oh, I guess I'll just wait for the XM5s. And then like they leaked and they're like glossy. I don't want glossy earbuds. They're only glossy on the sides, that, which is where all of the exactly. shit would accumulate anyway. No, like I'm going to run in these. I don't want glossy earbuds. So like back to the drawing board for me. That's, that's I mean, uh, they do make skins for earbuds. I'm not putting a skin. Oh my God. That sounds terrible. Are you kidding? <laughs> oh, me? I know. It's going to hurt. It's, yeah, no, it's not a great idea, but it is a thing that exists. No, 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 no. Uh, Sony, make, make them matte and then I'll consider them. But uh, yeah, I'm back to looking at my options. They'll do a mid-cycle refresh and release an all-black version. That's all I you'll, want. You'll buy them. That's all I want. Yeah, an all-black matte NKBHD version. There I've sure. already committed to buying these because I don't have the fours. I have the threes, and I love them, but they're massive. So day one buy for me. I thank you for letting me review the fours so I have Yeah, them. I still <laughs> feel bad for your ears that you put them through that hell, Ara, but I'm glad you came yeah. out on the other side of that able to wear them. Yeah. I do want to try the XM5s just to see whether or not they're the same or if they're smaller and thus won't hurt as much. They're going to be like $300, though. Like, trying them is, like, not not an affordable option. Like, it's, yeah. Yeah. All right. That's it. That's the show. Will, Ara, thank you so much, as always. Thank you for listening. As I said earlier, send us some feedback if you want to. Podcast at andrewpolice.com. Uh, there's a lot coming oh, yeah. up in the next few weeks. Yeah. 
You are going to want to listen to the show. We have Motorola. We have Pixel Tablet. We have Pixel Fold. We have Samsung. We have Asus. We have so many devices being released. This is the summer of the smartphone. Nothing nothing Phone 2. And the Nothing Phone 2, I guess. And then we have the mother of all sales with Prime Day, which Amazon still refuses to tell us what it is. Come on, guys. You're not having it in August. You're not That's having it in June. It's all There's of July. There's nothing left. <laughs> July 1st through July 31st. <laughs> you're working 24 hours no, a day. No, no, they, would, the start, they would start at the 5th. They're not going to force people to work overtime on a federal right, holiday. They, they force oh, their... Oh, just <laughs> have try you, them. Have you, right. just have try you not them. gotten a package on a holiday before? <laughs> <laughs> they do not look happy delivering that thing. Trust me. All right, that's it. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another show. Until then... Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.